Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with no twins whatsoever. Instead, we have the Lamb himself, the Lamb Show, Nick Dayus. What's up, man? Is this still part of your intro, or do I... This is part of the intro, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's up? I'm here. <laughs> Welcome I'm here. to Brodo. Today, we are going to be answering fan questions. Today, we are going to... Uh, we put some questions out on Twitter. They gave us some questions going into your drafts. This is going into week two of the preseason, so a lot of questions to be answered. So, let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. The Brodo Fantasy Podcast begins now. So, for those of you who are not familiar with Degeneration Bets, mm-hmm. the podcast that Nick stars in is his. That's a daily fantasy type of thing and betting, right? Correct. Yeah. So it is fantasy. <clears throat> it's also one of the best sports betting and daily fantasy podcasts in the world. Confirmed. Confirmed. Someone, someone said it wasn't me. Voted. Yeah. Voted for. It. So it's pretty horny. And uh, <laughs> and. Um, where I don't, yeah. So this is a yearly fantasy. So, but Nick is also a yearly fantasy player. Mm-hmm. Won the VM league last year, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, we're gonna get his takes on not only daily outlooks of these players that we're talking about and some of the things we're talking about, but also yearly outlooks. And yeah, we're yeah. gonna be talking about the difference. So, before we even get started, daily fantasy and yearly fantasy. We were talking the other day, and you told me there are people you know that kill yearly fantasy that couldn't crack a fifty-fifty lineup in daily. Yeah. So what do you think is the major differences in how to approach yearly fantasy compared to daily fantasy? So number one, I think a lot of people are wondering, yo, Tim agreed to just be in a room with Nick. uh, (laughs) We tend to bump heads a lot. So uh, we're sitting on opposite sides of the table so we can react. You know, Tim could go out the window. I'll go out the door if it gets a little too hostile. No, but uh, yeah, man. So look, here's the thing. And, you know, I, I hope you don't take it the wrong way. But, well, I think you're a great yearly fantasy player i think your brothers are also because look you guys are building an empire here we're, we're brodo and you guys are doing your thing i see that hashtag in brodo we trust we're going here, you, know. you know so <laughs> you guys know your shit the twins crush it you crush it in yearly but i've said this to many people i just ran a show on twitch with danny where we did like way too early predictions for dfs week one prices came out on DraftKings, and i said yo my biggest advice to you wanting to get into daily fantasy it's a different animal. It is completely different. Week 16 is how we treat every single week. I don't care who the backup running back on Tampa Bay, if he's going to be the starter week seven. No, no, no. Who's starting week one for me? Who's starting week two for me? Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference in how you approach it is you have to approach that outlook kind of game, right? So let's say like a guy like Matt Burita, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if, if Jerick McKinnon is struggling... You pick him up week three in order to be anticipation for him starting week six. Yeah. Right? In daily, you want to see him play week six, week seven to see what you got and then get him in week eight. Yeah. So it's it's a completely different ballgame when it comes to that. Yeah. It, it's also you play – it's very matchup based mm-hmm. where the one argument I like to make is say – I don't know. What's – uh. Camara's ADP is like what the six seven in a twelve man around eight now around eight right yep. so say you take Camara he's your first round pick you're not gonna bench him true probably the whole year it has to get Jay Ajay bad last year remember Jay Ajay I make fun of my buddy Ralph in our MFA league it's the only yearly league I play in he took Jay Ajay sixth overall and immediately I was like dude 
you have the worst team in the draft, <laughs> right? Granted, he took him like 10 picks ahead of where he was going, but still it was kind of a reach. Yeah. So you have to play, unless it gets Jai bad, you're going to play your studs. You just usually do. Your first five picks for the most part, when I approach it, is I don't bench them. But last year, my first round pick was A.J. Green. I had the 10th pick in a 10-man. I took A.J. Green and Mike Thomas. I played A.J. Green every week. First 10 weeks, I probably took A.J. Green once hmm. in Daily Fantasy because if you're going up against Darius Slay, Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey, guys like that, I'm going to fade you in DFS, but I have to play you in yearly. And that's what I think is the big difference where in yearly, you got to play your studs. Contrarian, so those become contrarian plays in Daily Fantasy. Yeah, A.J. Green has a tough matchup. He's probably going to be 3% owned. If he does go off, I have an advantage on the field, but chances are tough matchups. You play the matchups more in DFS. So for those, so you say 3% owned, and for those who listen and are yearly fantasy players and want to get into DFS but don't really know what that means, right? When you say 3% owned, obviously that means it's owned in 3% of the leagues that are playing, right? Or in, in your league, 3% of the teams uh, own that person. Why is it important to get people that are low owned rather than people that are high owned? So the term is called chalk, right? So this guy's going to be chalk this week. If you hear anybody say it, or he might be a chalk waiver wire pick. It means that it's going to be popular. He's not a sleeper. He's not going to sneak up on anyone. I'll give you a prime example. You remember last year when Jeremy Hill and Joe Mixon got hurt and Giovanni Bernard was going to start? I mm. think it was against the Packers. I could be I could be mistaken, but there was a game where he started. There was no one else on the roster. He was 3,100 on DraftKings. The minimum for running back is 3,000 for you to understand. But he was in line for a bell cow roll. He got 28 combined touches in the Millie Maker, which is the big tournament that DraftKings has. He was 78% owned. But it was one of those situations where you have to play him because at 3,100 for a, a 25, 30 touch running back, it opens up salary for the rest of your lineup. So what that means is Gio Bernard, you have to play him in that situation despite him being 78% owned. If he pulls a hamstring... For a series and you didn't have them you have an advantage on 78 percent of the field so the percentages in football not as much as the other daily sports but it always it's always good if you know say you have julio jones he's 40 percent, but i have odell at three percent odell is the more valuable player in that situation the biggest difference the biggest thing that i struggle with and when you're talking about like that it's when you're playing yearly fantasy, you draft a player and he's only yours. Yeah. Right. So if I got Gronk and Gronk puts up three touchdowns, it's only you're the only one that's. I'm benefit. the only one that's benefiting from yeah. it. But if if Gronk is 24% owned, 24% of the league I'm playing and also scores those points. So it's even more important. Like I feel like I I feel like daily fantasy is one in like the wide receiver three, running back two, slots. You know it, what I mean? It's it, it's always that. The flex guy, because the flex opens up the door. Like, dude, yeah. you could go running back. You could go wide receiver. Shady last year, tight end boomed. A lot of people took down. Because it's always, like, tight end is always a contrarian play, right, in Daily Fantasy. You don't want to pay 7200 for Gronk and Kelsey. you rather take Mike Thomas. It's a more glamorous position to pay up at wide receiver. So right away, Daily Fantasy, if you want to get into Daily Fantasy, if you pay up at tight end, you're automatically contrarian. If you put a tight end in your flex, so now you're running two tight ends, super contrarian. But there was weeks last year where like Evan Ingram emerged, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, Kyle Rudolph had a couple nice games, Gronk. So 
the tight end position is a huge, huge X factor when you're looking at daily. And also like the stacks, like you get game stack, you know, you take a quarterback wide receiver, hope that that stack goes off. There, there, there's different tactics within the game. So that's some DFS strategies that I want to share with you guys. Since we got the guru of DFS himself here, you, you got to at least give the people some kind of DFS strategies. But we're going to get into the yearly strategies right now. And here are some um, questions that we got off Twitter. The first one, what is your favorite draft strategy? I'm going to start this one off. And my draft strategy is I ask myself this one question. And the question is, are you paying for their ceiling? So what do I mean by that, right? Let's take, for example, Joe Mixon, right? Right now, Joe Mixon is going in the back of the second round, right? He's going in front of guys like Jordan Howard, Adam Thielen, Travis Kelsey, Jared McKinnon, Doug Baldwin. The list goes on. He is being drafted really high. Mm -hmm. And people are drafting him because they believe that he's going to get 250 touches. He's going to get every pass out of the backfield. He's going, to he's going to run the ball 20 times. And he's going to be a great part of that offense, right? Now, all those things could happen. But where am I drafting him makes a difference because if all those things happen, then I'm getting a good value. But if even one of those things goes wrong, if their team sucks or their offensive line improvements that they made aren't good enough, or, you know, there's a lot of weapons there now. Joe Ross is coming around. Tyler Boyd's coming around. There's too many balls to spread around the offense. I don't want to pay that ADP for that guy. Another example is T.Y. Hilton. Mm. I'm not drafting T.Y. Hilton this year. He's going in the beginning of the third round. One of the reasons why I'm not is because he is dependent on luck. Now, that might change as luck goes forward. For me, what I saw out of Andrew Luck is not as much zip as I wanted to see on the ball, personally. Right? So if I continue to see Andrew Luck progress, I'm on the I'm I like TY Hilton. But as of right now, you've only seen one preseason game you're drafting in the beginning of the third round that has bust potential really written all over it. So you have to ask yourself, are these guys worth it? a guy like Tyreek Hill, mm. right? Think about how many questions are around him. He's Quarterback change. Quarterback change. Another Off wide receiver that's similar to him, just a little bigger than Sammy Watkins. And who is the a shady red zone machine. Yeah. Right? All of his touchdowns came over 30 yards last year. That Can you repeat that? Right? So you're looking at a guy that if you draft him in the third round where he's going, you're drafting him for his but uh, his boom potential yeah everything has to go right there right so in my so i don't want more than one of those guys in my squad when i'm drafting i don't want any i don't want boom bust guys I, i'm down for one of them right if it's the right guy but i'm i'm trying to fill my team with some guys that i could be um at least confident in their role going forward so that's my favorite draft strategy is do not pay for the ceiling unless you completely love the guy I've I've learned from mistakes I made in the past where famously all the guys make fun of me. I took Cordell Patterson. Remember the Cordell Patterson buzz after his coming into year two? I remember that. I was like, yo, this is Alshon Jeffrey 2.0. Guy's going to crush it. They were talking about his return potential as well. The, yeah, re returns yeah. too. Like I have Vikings defense too. I'm like, yo, he's going to house a punt. Yeah. Double points. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, I'm with you. I like, I always liked getting my hands on Marshawn Lynch. Because 1,300 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Like, I knew what I was getting there. Instead of taking a chance on a guy like a Joe Mixon. Like, in that scenario, I'd be much happier with Jordan Howard. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'm taking Jordan Howard over Joe Mixon. Because it's... It, 10 times out of 10. The floor is higher. And I'd rather have a high floor on a player. Right. So, as far as T.Y. Hilton goes, let's not forget, this is a guy, last time Luck played healthy, led the league in receiving yards. So... If Luck, if luck is healthy... 
I'm taking T.Y. in the third round. Of course, yeah, without a doubt. I feel you. But until I know that he is, yeah, you can have a guy like... Can, can, I, give, can I give you some advice? Sure. Vegas is telling you he's healthy. Okay. Their over-under was six. It's seven now. Okay. Now, I know you might be listening to that and saying, ah, they moved up a game. In the NFL, that's huge. It's huge. Big, big time, giant. You're talking about yeah. moving an MLB team 11 games up. So imagine the Yankees being an over-under of 80 one week later, it's 90. You're like, what the? F-? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's moved up a full game. And there's negative money to it, meaning like they're the favorite for that to go over. Mm. So just something to monitor. I think the guys out in Vegas, you know, I've mentioned this many times to you. They don't make mistakes. They don't got no bias. They want to win money. So with luck, I think Vegas is telling you he's healthy. So I have T.Y. Helton. Like I'm, I'm hoping he drops the game. Let me ask, does, how much does Vegas play a role in your draft process? Everything. Really? Okay, so explain to the people, like, how do you use Vegas at, to your advantage? So, one guy, and I know I'm kind of throwing your, your show off for a loop a little bit. No, that's okay. I, I really like Jared Goff this year. Goff is one of the favorites to lead the league in passing touchdowns. He's also a candidate for MVP. Also, you know, we've had this argument many times. Uh, he's going into a second year with McVay. I think it's his second year in the league because me and you agree that Jeff Fisher is a legend. That's a f- you know, fifth-year senior. Yeah, fifth-year senior. <laughs> he's been redshirted a couple times, right? So Vegas is telling me that, yo, that take is you're on the right path with that take because he is a favorite to lead the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. He's in the discussions. I'm not telling you that Ryan Tannehill is going to lead it. So that's a guy who, I don't know, Jared Goff is like being drafted outside the top 10 as far as quarterback goes. So, yeah, and I mean... Going back to daily, Vegas tells me everything. Like, I look at player props. Uh, dude, that's actually a good thing that I would look at and add to your show. Like, player props is dope to find. Like, you know, you guys do start them, sit them. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to what I do, plays and fades. Right? So, a guy that you want to start is also a guy that I'm looking at. Whereas, a guy you want to fade is a guy that I want to you want to sit. You know what I mean? So, that's why daily and yearly, there's a lot more uh, similarities than people think. Uh, yeah, for 100%. So what's your favorite strategy going into a daily draft? Which one of your brothers is the one that does zero running back? Michael. God bless his soul for winning <laughs> championships. I don't know how he does it. I need to, My first round pick needs to be a running back. Last year, I went two wide receiver, my first second second pick. My running backs were Marshawn Lynch and Carlos Hyde. <sighs> I didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> right? Because it took Mike Thomas and A.J. Green until week five to get going, really. And by then, it was you know too late. With that being said... There's not many chalk them up 300 touch running backs left, right? There's like, what, four or five? Would, Maybe Barkley now, Yeah, but we don't know. Barkley makes it six, kind of. And yeah. Kareem Hunt... You, oh, maybe seven. Well, there's some Spencer Ware There's buzz, some Spencer Ware You know, buzz, you gotta yeah. be just a little hesitant. So, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, so like, I'm hoping I could get a guy like a Zeke, a girly Bell DJ. Yeah. If I get one of those four, I'm very happy. I would even put Mel going in, in that conversation. Yeah, you know what? Melvin, Melvin Gordon, too, last year he finished off the year eight straight games of 20-plus touches or more. He, he's, a, he's a dirty lamb special every Sunday when it comes to DFS. Who's taking his touches? Austin Eckler? No. C- a couple of swing passes here and there, maybe yeah. three, four carries. But for the most part, he's going to get – and that's another thing with DFS, volume. Volume is key, right? So I want to get a bell cow. And now what I've started doing and what I've realized has worked for me in the past is – one wide receiver, one running back is what I want to leave the first two picks with. Because I don't want to be too good at wide receiver like I was last year because my running backs take a hit. Then I don't want to be too good at 
running back because then I'm stuck with Reggie Wayne and like a Stephon Diggs as opposed to maybe getting my hands on a David Johnson and AJ Green. Like I'd like that more. So. If, I, if I can get like the fourth pick and get like David Johnson and then Michael Thomas. Put it to you this way. if I would love that. If it's my pick and David Johnson hasn't gone yet, nobody has ever made a pick quicker in their life. Like immediately. Yo, there was two years ago, somebody took, uh, I think when, when McCoy went to Buffalo the first time, McCoy went first in our league. I put Le'Veon Bell on the board so fast. So fast, dude. <laughs> I was like, yo, you guys are idiots. Bell had like 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, so let's let's talk about running backs. Let's get into one specific running back uh, that we got a question about. Ronald Jones is one of those people that you either love or hate. He's a very polarizing figure in the fantasy community right now. The Twins are on record of saying, if you draft Ronald Jones where he's being taken, and right now he's at the back of the fourth round in his average draft position, which is that's paying for ceiling. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking Ronald Jones, they say you're going to lose your league. That's one of the things that's going to make you a league loser. I'm not on the Jones train, but uh, I'm not that far in left field like they are. How do you feel about Ronald Jones this season? So, in the beginning, it might be a struggle, right? You also need to factor in that Peyton Barber has been getting a lot of pub coming out of camp. He's been surprising people. Jameis Winston's out the first three games. And think of game script, right? They're, They're close to a touchdown underdog in all three games with the exception of one because they're home. But if they played on a neutral field, they'd be an underdog. So you got to factor in game script where they might fall behind. Peyton Barber will be on there, out there a lot more than Ronald Jones would. Uh, I'm not trying to draft them. I'm not a fan of drafting r- rookie running backs unless they come into a situation like a Saquon Barkley or it's Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette kind of thing. Uh, as far as Ronald Jones goes, I like them coming out of USC. But... I don't know, man. There's just something, you know, you also have Charles Sims that's going to win someone a fantasy week. Speaking about, speaking of USC, at USC, he only had 10, he only caught 10 catches per year on average. Yeah. Like this guy's not catching balls out of the backfield. And like you said about game script, they did make additions on the, on the defensive line. They added JPP, which should make it a little easier, mm-hmm. but that secondary is atrocious. Yeah, the secondary is rough. It's just so bad. So if you're looking at a team that has a prolific pass offense, you're looking at negative game scripts. And when you're playing in a division with the Panthers, with Saints, with Falcons, you're looking at at least six negative game scripts maybe Yeah. because they, they can all put up points in the air. So, I mean... I agree. Peyton Barber's a starter. The offensive line has improved, but according to PFF, still the bottom third in the league. Um, can he be good? Sure. But fourth round pick, I'm not spending on Ronald Jones. I'd, I'm i not taking Ronald Jones this year. So neither of us high on Ronald Jones. The Twins, really not high on Ronald Jones. Let's go to another guy that uh, the Twins are actually uh, pretty high on. I'm pretty high on as well. Golden Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden Tate, the Detroit wide receiver. Um, what's your take on Golden Tate, and would you draft him this year? He's, he's going... In the uh, back of the fourth as well, maybe the, the front of the fifth, depending where you're at, 10-man, 12-man. Uh, I mean, for PPR, the guy's machine. In standard, I'd probably go with the other Lions wide receiver I'd prefer over him, just because I like the touchdown upside. Right. Uh, Marvin Jones. Yeah, Marvin Jones, that is. I think the loss of Eric Ebron isn't getting enough attention. I think okay. Eric Ebron not being there because... Look, I know Eric Ebron was a bust. He, I actually wanted him over OBJ when it was his draft. It was <laughs> my rankings were Zach Martin, Eric Ebron, 
not all, not Odell. I'll be honest with you. I really wanted him because we need a tight end. Ebron is, is still an athletic freak. He's like a slot receiver with a tight end's body. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? He caught a lot of his passes underneath. Right, like his uh, the new the new big big thing in like the DFS, the new hot stat is a dot average average depth of target. Jarvis Landry's is like 0.8 yards, <laughs> right? Like this guy gets, but like Eric Ebron's was 2.3. It ranks in the bottom tier of tight end. So all his stuff is all slot work, basically. So your comparison to him being a slot wide receiver is pretty true. So he leaves, he goes to Indianapolis. I think that that just makes Golden Tate even more juicy coming into this year and yeah I, i'm i'm really like for me golden tate is my ideal wide receiver too he's exactly what i wanted in a wide receiver too uh last four years he's averaged 132 targets a year 93 receptions a year uh he's consistent especially in a ppr league 93 receptions sign me up for that all day every day um they like to mention that he's not a big ceiling guy like he tends to be like the guy that you can count on but he finishes a wide receiver one five times last season he finishes the wide receiver three one time the wide receiver four one time this is a guy who's capable of big games on top of that the lions made some major changes on the o-line uh Pro Football Focus has them up to eight going into the season. They were 19th last season. Taylor Decker, their la- their uh, left tackle, he tore his pecs. He's coming back. Um, they Frank Ragnow, who they got from Arkansas, I believe, uh, didn't allow pressure in his debut. TJ Lang and Rick Wagner are going to play, or hopefully if they play full season on the right side, that's a solid right side. More time for Matt Stafford equals more opportunity. Um, the, you know that those lines are passing the ball. And I, I like the, the addition of LeGarrette Blunt because you put LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield and – Look, when Tom Brady was throwing deep passes to to Randy Moss, like yes, they're goats. That's why it happened. But I love the pairing of a of a dominant like hammer, hammer, hammer running game with a vertical passing game. Talking about like Lawrence Maroney. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Lawrence Maroney was the way, and Corey Dillon was was yeah, yeah. doing it. Before so that. if you pound that rock, that makes the safeties have to come in because he's going to wear out those those linebackers. And when that happens, it's more room over the top, more room for Golden Tate to operate in the middle of the field, and more room for Marvin Jones. I'm a big fan of Marvin Jones this year as well. Big fan of the Lions' offense overall this year. Um, let's move on to the Patriots and their backfield. We're going to stay in the backfield. Um, there is a lot of options in the Patriots' backfield. Sony Michelle. Rex Burkhead, James White, Jeremy Hill, Mike Gillisley, all on the roster. So out of those five, I think Mike Gillisley we could throw out. Don't don't think about drafting Mike Gillisley. But who out of those four are you drafting? And, and that's, I'm not saying one of them. You could say who you prefer of all four, but if you, which ones are you drafting? I mean, first month of the year, it has to be Rex Burkhead. Agreed. I also like Rex Burkhead long-term as well. Going back to last year, Deion Lewis was uh, probably the safest running back. Uh, that was a guy on the past who, who, by the way, I like staying away from that backfield just in general. I'd rather not have to deal. I've drafted my Stephen Ridley's in the past. Yeah, I've drafted so many times. They've I drafted just like, Gillisley in the fifth round last year. Yeah, Gillisley I had last year also gave me a dud after week one. Um, so Rex Burkhead last year, despite having Deion Lewis... 39% of the snaps from week 8 to 14. That's when he was healthy because he has some injury con- concerns. Um, he was a tremendous DFS option as well. But Rex Burkhead also lined up 18% of the time in the slot. Edelman's not playing the first month of the game, month of games. Amendola has left. Chris Hogan is their deep threat. They just released uh, Mitchell, Malcolm Mitchell, 
uh, the wide receiver that they had. So it's basically Gronk and Hogan that he's familiar with and Burkhead. And yo, Burkhead gets the goal line work. He outsnapped inside the red zone last year every Pats running back. So even when Lewis was healthy, Burkhead was coming in for that role. So I would, I think the safest and the one that's not going to cause the most headaches for you is Rex Burkhead. I, I like Rex Burkhead. Like you said, he has an established role. Goal line back is his role already. Yeah. And with Sony Michelle out, in between the 20s is up for grabs. Like you said, he, he lined up in the slot 18% of the time. That slot receiver is up for grabs. Um, Especially, the, yo, the, the first month, he could be a prime candidate of, of sell high come like week four, week mm, five. That's true. Especially because Edelman's going to be out. He, he's suspended for PEDs. And all he has is Gronk and Hogan that he's familiar with and Rex Burkhead. Gotta love the Rex Burkhead. What about, so Sony Michelle, right? First of all, I don't know if I could trust the Pats rookie in general, but they mm. did spend the first round pick on this guy, but he's not playing in the preseason. Yeah, he got hurt. He banged up his knee. It's, it's nothing too crazy, but the fact that he's hurt already is just a red flag for me. But dude, he's going in the ninth round in his ADP. You gotta take that. You have to. You have to take Sony Michelle in the ninth round if he's there. In the ninth, yeah, that's your backup, backup running back. In yeah, some who, cases, who who might be a key factor come playoff time for you. So I'm drafting, I'm drafting Rex Burkhead, and I I would draft Sony Michelle too. James White, I'll probably stay away from because he'll have value in PPR leagues, but I think Burkhead's going to take away too much of that passing share. How about Jeremy Hill? Jeremy Hill had a really good preseason in game one. Keep an eye on Jeremy Hill because if he kills it, you know the Pats are going with him. You know they're going to pull out that shit right out of their assholes, and they will go with Jeremy Hill for the remainder of the season. So if you have a free last pick, and this is just another strategy that I'm glad I, I just thought of. If your league does not require you to leave the draft with a kicker, don't. Mm. Just stream the kickers. Stream the kickers. Yeah, in my in my league, you have to draft every position that you start. So, I mean, there you go. Defense and kicker. So, you have to, so yeah. But if you can get away with not having a kicker, if they let you take... Yeah, take just, take Jeremy Hill, watch him for the next yeah. couple weeks, and then if he sucks, release him for a kicker. It's no no harm, no foul. What are you missing out on, Matt Prater? All right, all right, we'll find someone else. Yeah, just find an offense that has a high implied total that week. Preferably right. plays indoors. That's what I like to do. Right. Don't need to worry about a thirty-eight yard field goal being missed because of spiraling wind conditions from the southeast. Like, yo, come on, man. Get a dog kicker. I lost 5K one time because uh, Gostowski missed a 42-yarder because it was in Buffalo and shit was spiraling left and route. Oh, man. Jesus. Left and route, you heard me? Yeah, that's <laughs> got you fucked up. Yeah, man. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Um, all right, so I think that, I mean, all four players are draftable, and all four players are probably draftable at the ADPs they're going at. Rex Burkhead uh, in the sixth round I'm taking. I'm taking a chance on Michelle in the ninth round. James White's not going at all, but if you want to take a shot at him, he's going to get some work. And Jeremy Hill, if you want to take a shot at him with your last pick, I'm taking him. All right, so the next, we're going to, it's running back heavy questions here. And I want to get into this one a little bit because uh, one, of, one of our longtime listeners on Twitter, it has to make a decision between Kareem Hunt or Saquon Barkley. Now, last year, you could say Kareem Hunt is the Saquon Barkley of this year. So... If you had to pick, who are you picking, and what's the upside and downside for both these players? Is he in a dynasty league, or is this just like standard? For what I, I mean, he doesn't say, but from what I'm gathering, it's just a standard redraft league. Man, 
I mean, dude, I have so many. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a Giants jersey. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Giants fan. Uh, I'm really concerned about the offensive line. I know Barkley had a 39-yard run on his first touch. Everyone went crazy. I got excited, but I also saw that the next three carries went for four yards. Mm. So his career at Penn State, this is someone I watched very closely the last couple of years. I have some family members that go to Penn State. They're alumni also. I also, D. Jenning, bet him to win the Heisman last year, so I watched him very closely. He had a lot of games where it was like, one yard, two yard, loss of three, five yards, three yards, 50-yard run. A lot of those. Um, he's very versatile, though. He's been cooking Janoris Jenkins, apparently, at camp. He just pulled his hamstring the other day, so it's something to monitor. <sighs> he's going to be the bell cow, though, is what we were talking about before, where it's like Gurley, Bell, Zeke. DJ. DJ. Hunt. Maybe McCoy. Well, Hunt, Spencer Gordon, Ware, Gordon, yeah. Saquon. Yeah, so I would, I, yeah. Maybe not Hunt. Maybe not Hunt. I'd probably go with Barkley. I, I agree. Look, I think it would another thing that you talked about in the past and that I talked about in the past, Pat Shermer. Yeah. Right? New head coach. He puts in that offense. All right. In Pat Shermer's career, he's only been in charge of an offense five times. Three out of those five times, a single running back touched the ball 73% of the time or more. So 73% is the lowest. And the other two times was by injury. Last year, Latavius Murray touched the ball the most, which was 45%. And Peyton Hillis touched the ball in 2011 the most because of injuries in the Cleveland backfield. So he wants to give a bell cow roll to someone. Uh, last year, you could add another one, like I said, if Cook wasn't hurt. He doesn't shy away from those rookies. He made Trent Richardson fantasy relevant. Do you understand that? And Saquon Broccoli's a monster. So... He's going to get 300 touches. Opportunity is key. Hunt, he just has too many things standing in his way, I think. And not enough to make him not a first-round pick. Like, if I can get Kareem Hunt with my 10th pick, 11th pick, I'm chilling. I love that. But what does Spencer Ware do? Rookie quarterback, like we mentioned. The defense moves on from Marcus Peters, Tom Bali, Derek Johnson. Right? There's a changing in the guard there. You don't know how the scripts are going to go out. Like A guy like Hunt who catches the ball in the backfield, game script doesn't affect him as much. Mm-hmm. But Spencer Ware is also a monster out of that backfield as well. So does he take away that? For me, there's too many question marks for Hunt's role. And that outweighs the question marks of Saquon's play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you're a rookie, you got to question the play. So the role is there. Um, another uh, another like head-to-head kind of matchup, top three tight ends. To Kelsey, Ertz, Gronk. Uh, Gronk going in the second round. Kelsey going in the front of the third. Ertz going at the back of the third, beginning of the fourth. Which one of you of these guys are you taking if you had to take one? I mean, fresh off the video we did for VM, cheap plug, Veterans Minimum YouTube. <laughs> uh, nice. I, I think Kelsey is the best tight end in football. I think he's also the safest. Like, Ertz missed a couple of weeks last year, too. Missed a couple of halves also. I think I, I read somewhere on, on PFF that he missed a combined three games worth. If you take out the quarters, that you know, he missed one quarter here, two quarters there, a game here. And Trey Burton got paid because of that. Because anytime Trey Burton stepped into that role, I was like, yo, start him in DFS. Like, start him that week, yo. There was that week against the Broncos. Ertz was out with a concussion. He, he put up 16 drafting points. Yeah. Trey Burton at like $4,000 mid-salary pretty much. And let's not forget, Dallas Goddard's been having a good camp. So he's, he's another guy who could play that Trey Burton role. So just because Trey Burton's gone doesn't mean that role doesn't exist. Goddard has that role down. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not get crazy, though. Like, Ertz, is, Ertz does see all the snaps there. I, I know right. what you're saying. that That's a competent backup to have. Right. Um, Gronk, his injury history scares me as well. 
I'm going with Kelsey. I think Kelsey is the safest. If you think about it, Kelsey and Tyree Kill are the guys that Pat Mahomes is probably going to go to early because there are guys that were there last year with him. And obviously, like Kareem Hunt out the backfield, where you have to work in a new guy like Sammy Watkins. You got to see how that goes on in the preseason and uh, going forward. But I'm going, I'm going with Kelsey first. Crazy talk. I might go Earth second. And then Gronk, because, dude, we've seen Gronk so many times just get hurt. I mean, he got hurt in the AFC Championship game last year, too. So he's just always a concern for me. First of all, I want to say, like, if you're going to draft either of these three guys, probably a good spot anywhere you're taking them. Thing is with Gronk, if you're taking him in the second round, you're taking him to be your number one receiver. Yeah. For most likely. Or you're waiting to get a running back. Well, that's so. the other thing, too. Like, the other guys I'm getting a little later. Right. And I'd be just as happy having them. Right. Especially a guy like Kelsey, who is who's there. But... At the same time, Gronk had 14 less catches than Kelsey, missed one more game, and still put up more yards than him. Uh, you got You got to love the fact that the weapons, like you said, the weapons in, in New England, they're starting to dwindle around Gronk. So Gronk's going to be leaned on even heavier this season. Um, he's only uh, Again, he only played one less game. He's had 100 targets three out of the last four years. So although he has a reputation for being hurt, which he is, he, you can't be on you can't be getting targets unless they're in the field, right? So he's been on the field except for that one year where he missed two years ago where he missed a lot of the games. Um, the only problem again is you have to take him in the second round, and that's a tough one. Going into the third round, Kelsey is usually the safe pick, but there is there is some real question marks in that Kansas City backfield. Like I mean, I'm sorry, in that Kansas City team overall, mm-hmm. especially the addition of Sammy Watkins. Like you said, Sammy Watkins is shady, a red zone monster. He got he got targeted in the red zone so many times last year and that's why they're bringing him in i think i think sammy watkins in the red zone is going to make a lot of noise and at an early third round value with all those question marks surrounding kelsey with a rookie a new oc rookie quarterback it's a lot my favorite to draft is zach Ertz because of the value mm-hmm. right at least 100 targets and 74 catches in each of the last three years even though he's missing he's getting enough production in the time he's on the field took a giant step forward last season atds uh that late third round value is where i love him so i, I mean I'm taking Ertz just because I don't like taking tight ends in the second round, and Kelsey in the beginning of the third round is basically a second-round pick for me. So if I could, if Ertz could fall to me at the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth, I think it's a good value. What are your thoughts on my no tight end league? It's I, very controversial, bro. This is this is like I want you to know that I have um, put. I'm the commissioner of my league, but I'm um, I'm not an all-encompassing commissioner. I, I send out yo, surveys. what the. F- what uh, you're like taking subtle shots at me because it's, it's kind of like a dictatorship of my league is I'm it I, I didn't even know that well for the most part i, I yeah it kind of is <laughs> <laughs> so my league i i give out surveys and everyone okay. votes on the surveys and every single year i can, can, can i defend myself i put out polls on the site message boards and all that no one votes so i'm like all right i'll just make the i guess i gotta then. do it yeah. yeah see i do it I, I make a survey monkey i text them and everything but um they every year i put no tight ends replaced with flex and Every year gets shot down. I I agree with you. I don't think tight end should be a... If there's not 12 people that are at least wide receiver threes, then why do you have to play tight end? That's what I'm saying. Like, why... And, and you know, poor Charles Clay. That's the first guy that me and you always mention. Like, why do I have to play Charles Clay over... D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Emmanuel... Well, maybe not Emmanuel Sanders, but he's just the one that always comes to, to mind with me because one year he was my wide receiver three. So, in my <laughs> head, he's always my wide receiver three. But it's like, yeah, why, why if I have the decision, why can't I start Gio Bernard yeah. over Charles Clay? Like, yeah, I'd rather have a running back or a wide receiver in that position. Sure, if I have Gronk or Kelsey or Ertz, but, 
Look, there have been more tight ends that have been more fantasy relevant and fantasy viable, right? Jimmy Graham just went to to, to Rodgers and the Packers. That's another guy that's in the discussion again, I think. So, but yeah, man, I just no tight end. That's the way our league is. We replace it with two flex. I see. I see it. I see the value of no tight end at the end. Of, at the end of the day, though, it is a position, I guess. I'm 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 about to do no kicker leagues. Funny you mentioned that FanDuel actually got rid of their their kicker slot. Now it's a flex. Wow. They're basically okay. DraftKings, except yeah. that FanDuel is half PPR, which is what my yearly fantasy league is, and DraftKings is full PPR. I'm a fan of the half PPR format as well. I, I think half that's PPR the, way, is to the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, coming up towards the end, the last, I mean, not the last question yet. There's two questions. Um, do you think Marcus Mariota has a chance to be a QB1 this year? Um, what do you think? I forgot how I think it was Warren Sharp. Uh, I like reading his stuff. I actually just got his book. Good follow for uh, yeah, he's dope. Shout out to Warren Sharp. Um, he said how he graded Marcus Mariota higher than what everyone else is talking about, despite having more interceptions than touchdowns. Like the way he managed the game and his decisions were like top. Like he was like in the top half of the league, but. Look, new offense now. New well, new coaching staff. Number one, he gets a full year with Corey Davis, who missed camp all the last year, and he was battling injury. Um, Rashad Matthews, I think, is hurt. He might be starting the the year on pup. Not, I'm not really sure. They got this slot receiver Taylor, who's like their burner slot wide receiver. Delaney Walker is another guy you could start at. He's just like Delaney Walker. When I think of Delaney Walker. I think eight points. Yeah, consistently. Like week in week out, <laughs> I think eight points. Nothing less. Nothing too crazy. Just eight points, which, you know what? I'll sign up for for a tight end. Hell yeah. Because it's such a swing position. Like, yeah, I want to get 25 points, but there are a lot of twos and threes out there, too. Consistency at a tight end is so yeah. valuable. Delaney Walker, eight points. So, <laughs> with that being said, right, you have Delaney Walker. You you add Deion Lewis, who is going to add another dimension to that offense also. We know all about Derrick Henry, too. The offensive line is really good. It's probably one of the five best offensive lines in football. And I think Mariota bounced back. But the thing is, is that his upside is hell-bent on him running. Right. He's been injured the last couple of years. I don't know how comfortable he is running and whatnot. Are they going to want him to run? Because you'd rather have a hobbled Mariota starting for you than, like, Mettenberger or whoever the hell the backup is for you. So, yeah, it does limit his upside and his ceiling. But I think Mariota could be a viable starter. Um, maybe, maybe not. He could be, like, a dope. Yo, I have Tom Brady and he's on a bye week. I'll go with Mario. Like a streamer. Yeah, streamer. There you go. That's yeah. what I was looking for. So, yeah, I think I could not agree with you more. I think it's all about his running, right? Yeah. When you have a running quarterback, you have to remember, 10 rushing yards is worth 25 passing yards, right? So if you have a quarterback that rushes for 50 yards, like he's more than capable of rushing for, that's, I don't, I'm not great in, in top, math at the top of my head, but that's 125 yards worth of points right there. Do you know which quarterback is a DFS pro darling last like three, four years? Cam? Well, well okay, fine. Not a, like he's a guy that you wouldn't Tyra start on. Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. This guy costs 5,200 on DraftKings and one of the cheaper starting 14, 15 points. Every week. Every week. And it's safe. Like, he's a tremendous cash game option because then you could pay up at other positions. But you're not starting Tyrod Taylor on your yearly team. Dude, how many times do we come in during VM? And VM, we don't talk about football in the fantasy spectrum. We talk about it in wins and losses and what's best for the team. How many times do we say Cam Newton 
sucks. Yeah. And he can't complete a pass. Yeah, but, he's, but he's starting on your fantasy team. He was the number two fantasy quarterback last year. Yeah, of course. And guess who number one was? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, running. Another runner. Yep. So these runners have so much value that you have to take them. You ha- you ha- If you could take a running quarterback, do it. Unless it's too much in the draft, which is on to the next next and last question. Dope segue. Smooth segue. Transition yeah. master hour. When is the earliest you're taking a QB in the draft? In the past, this year I'm not taking a quarterback until like because I'm really high on Jared Goff. Philip Rivers year in year out is a top ten quarterback and he's never drafted in the top ten. Uh, Eleven of the last thirteen years, four thousand yards, twenty five touchdowns. Philip Rivers, right? Um, I really like Jared Goff. Like I said, anytime I get to a position where I'm stumped, I take a quarterback. Mm. Anytime I'm like, yo, should I take Carlos Hyde? Or should I take Russell Wilson? I'll feel better about myself just taking Wilson. Should I take Emmanuel Sanders or should I take, sit back, relax, Matt Ryan, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, it's like stu- anytime I get stumped or I'm like hesitant or I'm not sure, I'm not like sold on a guy, I'll take a quarterback. Besides that, I tend to wait towards like my last like three, four picks. Quarterback is an interesting position in fantasy because there's – so little space between finishing third and finishing eighth that you're literally one or two touchdowns away from either having a great pick or a terrible pick if you get him in the fifth yeah. round, right? I, I This year, I'm, I'm with you. A lot of late-round quarterbacks I like. I have my eye on Matt Stafford personally. Mm-hmm. I think he's in for a big year. He's another guy that always gets dry. Like his ADP I, I saw somewhere was 11 as far as quarterbacks goes. Yeah. Like he's the 11, but he finishes like, borderline five to ten year in year out every year yeah philip rivers is another guy who always gets drafted lower than his adp ends 100 yeah so when you have guys like that i'm okay with waiting but two years ago i won the championship in my league that i really care about right i'm in a bunch of leagues but everyone has that one league that they care about the most maybe they have the most money into it maybe it's their childhood friends for me it's both i got the most money into it and it's my childhood friends so there's a lot of uh shit talking and a lot of stuff that goes into it I remember being in the fifth round, and I was looking at two players, Jonathan Stewart and Andrew Luck. And when you're in a situation like that, and you, like you said, Carlos Hyde or Matt, I mean, uh, not Matt Ryan, um, Russell Wilson, right? When you're in a situation like that where you can get a stud quarterback, Mm -hmm. and you already have two wide receivers, you already have two running backs, I... Don't have a problem with you pulling the trigger on one of the elite guys. If you can get a Russell Wilson, a Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the only guy who's going to go in the third round from someone. Don't be that guy who takes him. Uh, no matter how good he is, if he's not the number one quarterback, he's a bust if you take him in the third round. So not much room there. Although the years that he's healthy, he finishes either number one or two every year, except for one year when he finished eight, and I think that was 2011. All right, so you, he's either going to be number one or a bust. But then if you're – like I drafted Andrew Luck that year, and I – did not regret it for a single second because Andrew Luck was one of the best quarterbacks in the league that year. I think he finished number two, mm-hmm. right? So, and Jonathan Stewart was Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, yeah. So when you're looking at a situation like that, if you want to take the, if you want to take a chance on that quarterback, go for it. This year, I'm going to relax a little bit because the quarterback I would reach for is going in the ninth round. So I'm going to take him in the ninth round. I'm taking him in the eighth round if I have to. And that's Stafford you're talking about? Stafford, I, Stafford or Rivers is who I've been mocking. Um, I've gotten a couple of mocks where I don't like anyone in the sixth round and Russell Wilson's still there, so I take Russell Wilson. But for the most part, I've been mocking Stafford Rivers and I've been really happy with it. 
Are you? I have some questions for you too. Do you have? Do you like stacks on your yearly team? Like, say, say you have. There was one one of my better years. Uh, two years ago, I had Eli. But if you look at my team, anytime Odell went off, mm. my team like I made the playoffs as a six seed, but I was like seven and six, and literally all seven of my wins came when Odell went off because I got double the points, like that correlation between quarterback and. So, are you a fan of that? Is that something? So you guys- that that's the the great part of it. But then there's the part where I traded for Aaron Rodgers last year because I had Jordy Nelson and I wanted to stack. When Aaron Rodgers went down. Jordy Nelson became absolutely unplayable. You got hurt at both positions. And I got hurt at both positions. Yeah. And my team went from playoff position to... I, I stayed I stayed afloat a little while because I'm the waiver wave and all that, but pl- ended up plummeting at the end of yeah. the year. So, like, when, so the stacks, I don't mind them. Another thing you have to look out for in yearly is the bye weeks, right? So if you're stacking players, then you got to make sure that you have backups for both of them on bye weeks where they're not playing yo two years ago six of six of my first eight picks had a bye week 11 right so i had no idea until i got to like pick nine and you know how like well we do we do with the stickers we do a live draft which by the way all you yearly players it 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 makes draft day the best day of the year yeah all my buddies and i we do a live draft yo it's a complete game changer we're actually doing one for the santa gato studio which should be yeah. dope i already got the board set up for that so yo, that's gonna let's a, go that's i can't get, wait to yeah, win that yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so so like yo it's a completely different ball game so like the way those work is like those stickers have the logo the position obviously i mean all it's all color schemes so like bl- light blue is wide receiver whatnot so it says the guy's name and then at the bottom right or top right it says the bye week I'm looking at my draft board. I'm like, oh, who's playing me week 11? You're welcome. Yeah. But yeah, so <clears throat> I like I like stacks. It It is high risk, high reward. Yeah. But it's also like if Eli throws four touchdowns, but Odell catches two passes for 40 yards, probably going to lose. Like you need, you need your wide receiver to have five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown, and you need your quarterback to throw three touchdowns. That's why stacks are good, but you got to – I would like to stack an elite guy. Like, I would love to stack Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs. Mm. I would love to stack Brady Gronk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would stack Eli Odell. No, nah, yeah, that's the first – I'm saying that as experience, as, like, what I what I had. Like, yo, if I get Keenan Allen as my wide receiver – with Stafford, Ryan, Rivers, Golf, I'd probably move Rivers, Rivers. up my draft board. It makes a whole bunch of sense. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I mean by when it comes to stacks. Yeah, I, I mean it, it definitely makes sense. I I like that for streaming options as well. Like if you're gonna stream a tight end, then maybe go with tight end that's playing with your, your quarterback. Yeah. If you're gonna sweet stream a quarterback. Maybe go with the quarterback that's playing with your star receiver if you have the opportunity to do that. Like if you have AJ Green, maybe stream Andy Dalton on a good on a good matchup when otherwise you would stream a guy like Tyrod Taylor. So yeah, they have value. So um a little bit of DFS spin on that from the man himself. Nick, where could they find you if they want all their DFS plays and all their betting stuff and video games and wrestling and all the rest of the stuff you offer? A man of many bars, my friend. <laughs> many bars. Uh, you can find me at the Lamb Show, Twitter, Instagram, twitch.tv slash the Lamb Show. By the way, um, you got to hop in my Twitch stream one of these days because I've made a command for Brodo. Mm. So what that means is when someone comes in there, they'll say like, whatever, yo, you got some advice for yearly. I'll say, yo, chat, 
put that command in for Brodo, a link comes up, people go to Brodo. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm expecting some Venmo to come this way is what I'm saying. All right. I'm not, out, out there. Got to be in the. No, nah, keeping the brand strong. You know what I'm saying? Saying I got That's a studio. Um, <laughs> yeah. At Degeneration Bet on Twitter is a Twitter handle for if you're into sports betting, daily fantasy, hop on there. Impy and I hold the fort down. Uh, this week, SummerSlam. You know I'm ready. Big week. Locked, cocked, and loaded. Uh, the Super Bowl. No, WrestleMania is a Super Bowl. Like the, the AFC is, Championship. Just like the AFC Championship. Yeah, <laughs> WrestleMania is definitely the Super Bowl. But it's fun. You know, it's in Brooklyn. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. Uh, at SCJ Pod, we just did our SummerSlam preview show. And, of course, the Mothership, Veterans Minimum. Of course. I'm on there. Uh, almost strangling Tim on a week-to-week basis. But he's almost strangling <laughs> almost, me, too. Almost. Yeah. Um, if you're going to find me, uh, it's at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. At Mike underscore Patrop on Twitter. At Jason Patrop. Uh, P-E-T-R-O-P is how you spell Patrop, if you were wondering. Uh, our new rankings are going to be released after preseason week two. And then another rankings after preseason week four, heading into the draft capital uh, day, I think, which is Labor Day. Which, which one is it, Labor Day or Memorial Day? It, it, Labor Day is coming of, up, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, Labor Day is at the end. I like to just draft after week three. It it makes it makes sense. Week four is not really a, a yeah, big no, one. no one really that is going to make or break your team is playing there for but the most part. Going into it, we're going to have a lot of stuff. Uh, the new uh, new video is out. Uh, Michael, like we said, the, the no RB expert, uh, does a mock in the no RB style for you guys. Uh, new ranking coming out soon. Thank you so much, Nick, for being with us. Uh, twins, I hate you for being in beautiful Greece right now while I'm in this uh, kind of dark studio. Why is it so dark in here today? The camera lights are off. Yeah, and, and, and that, this that light lights off too. too. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> see everybody later.